You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. What's up, Mill Sunday Schoolers? Glad you're here this morning. We welcome you here. Would you meet somebody you don't know really quickly? And uh, after you do that, you could turn to this psalm. But make sure you meet someone. Ready to set go. After you're done greeting and meeting, you can turn to this psalm. It's up there on the board. We're in the habit of encouraging you to turn in your Bibles to a text of Scripture. So turn to the book of Psalms, somewhere towards the end of the book of Psalms, I guess middle, more middle actually, is Psalm 117. If anyone ever quizzes you and asks you what's the shortest chapter in the Bible, well, this is the shortest chapter in the Bible. And it's about celebration and joy, which is our subtopic today as we talk about the disciplines and how there's celebration in exploring the practice of the disciplines. So Psalm 117, I'll give you another second to turn there and um, listen for it, that you'll hear the celebration, you'll hear the joy. Psalm 117 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol Him. If you don't know what that word means, it means sing praises with exuberance and happiness. Extol Him, all you peoples. For great is his love towards us, and his faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, we come to you celebrating with joy that is a deep joy, not just a happiness that's a blind happiness or a silly happiness, but we come before you because we know that you have died for us and given us life and that we can have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, there's a deep joy that we can come to you with Um, And so we praise you, Lord. We celebrate you. We extol your name. You are good. You are faithful. We love you. We praise you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, let me, uh, I guess, start off with, I think I kind of said this last week, but I want to re-say it. And there's things in this world, things that are sold and bought and sold, things that work and things that don't work. And I'm going to argue today that spiritual disciplines work as contrasted with things that don't work, like this. Anybody uh, ever seen an, like an ad like this, like a hovercraft kind of thing? And you're like, that, that can't work. And it, was anybody a Boy Scout like back in the day? Uh, boys? <clears throat> um, this was an article in Boy's Life magazine um, that I always wanted to send $3.95 to because it says, I don't know if you could read it from where you're sitting, but it says, amazing, exclamation point. It really works, exclamation point. So I was always begging my mom, like, look, mom, it says it really works. And she would always say, if they have to say it really works, it probably does not really work. And I can't imagine it's able to lift 200 pounds. Like, really? You send some diagrams to a kid that can put something together that is a hub? It doesn't work. Obviously. Here's, here's something else that doesn't work. Uh, weight loss things. It's like put this on your hips and the thing shakes your hips for you and somehow that makes you lose weight. It's like, of course that doesn't work. Don't be silly. It doesn't work. I saw a news thing this week. Maybe some of you have seen uh, a, a mosquito app, a re- mosquito repellent app. Has anybody seen this? And you're like, oh, how cool would that be if an app on your phone actually uh, repelled mosquitoes, and it just plays like a sound, whatever 20K means, um, and somehow magically mosquitoes don't like it. So I saw this news thing 
uh, it was on YouTube. You could YouTube it later. It's pretty fun to watch. So this guy is in like, the, there's like this little netting thing box. And he sticks his hand in there with this app. And there's like thousands of mosquitoes. And he turns it on. And of course it doesn't work. Why would it work? It's silly. It's ridiculous. It does not work. Lots of things in life are boasted about that they do work, but they don't work. And I want to argue this morning that spiritual disciplines are something that actually works. If you want to grow as a Christian, practice disciplines. If you are thinking about ministry in your life later on, practice the disciplines. If you want to grow, if you want to grow in maturity, if you want to get out of a spiritual funk that you might be in, the disciplines, fast, pray, meditate, go to church, giving, serving, solitude, confession, study, just to name a few disciplines, they actually work. If you want to grow with the Lord, it's not some mysterious thing that shakes your hips and you ma- magically lose weight. These actually work. The disciplines, the spiritual disciplines, the things we're talking about this month, they actually work. So that's pretty exciting. So welcome to the Mill Sunday School. As far as announcements, just very briefly, uh, there's cards on your table. If you're new to New Life, you can fill one out. We would love to um, send you an email or put you on a a list if you want to call. I'll call you. There's a box on there that says uh, call, and um, we'll put you on our email list. As you bring the card to the back, there's a gift we give you. It's our senior pastor's books called Sons and Daughters, and so we just want to thank you for being here, and so that's that. If you're new, it's one of the ways to get more involved and more information about the church and things like that, so do that, and also if you're new, uh, a bunch of us after Sunday school, we go over and talk. Uh, We go over, sorry, we go over and we sit down in the section 10, and we, we talk there. We talk on the way over there is what I, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyways, one more announcement. DLA, there's, uh, do you see the DLA thing right over there? There'll be some people, the Macintoshes, uh, Kyle and Tara will be over there to talk about DLA, and it's a part-time or a full-time internship here at New Life Church. And we're announcing it along with this month because they practice the disciplines. If you want to learn how to pray and fast or meditate or learn how to study or learn how to corporately, corporately worship, I don't think there's a better program, um, I don't know, anywhere, uh, especially at New Life, that it, it is for college and 20-somethings, DLA part-time or full-time. In fact, in a couple weeks, we'll have Dan and Amy uh, speak here at the Mill Sunday School. They're going to be speaking about prayer and fasting and meditation and enjoying the disciplines. And um, so DLA is, is a pretty cool option. If you haven't heard about it, look them up. Go talk to them over there afterwards. So let's get started with uh, where we're going today. August, we usually take months by topics. And so today, in this, this uh, month, we're talking about the spiritual disciplines. And last week, as far as a review goes, we gave you the definition of what a spiritual discipline is. And if you know me, you know that I'm very literal. I often make lots of literal and figurative jokes, um, and I often call people out when they say, literally, I like blew my head away. It's like, no, it didn't, because you still have your head. Um, I will call people out on that stuff. But I really like definitions. Like how we define something says a lot about um, the, the thing we are defining and where we're going and what we're going to say about it and what that thing does and the function of that thing. So the discipline definition, spiritual def- definition, the discipline, the, what am I saying? The definition of spiritual discipline is this. Look at it. Um, a spiritual discipline is an activity. So it's something you do. It's an activity. It's, it, it engages. Um, it's an activity to create space. So it's saying what it does. It's an activity to create space for God 
to act. So you practice the, the spiritual discipline of prayer. You practice the spiritual dis- discipline of solitude or silence or study, waiting and creating this space for God to act. And guess what? As I said before, this stuff really works. If you want to grow before the Lord and grow mature spiritually, pick a discipline, start practicing it, even if you've never practiced it before. Um, They actually really do work. And as far as uh, books go, I've been touting this book as kind of our text this month. It's uh, by Richard J. Foster, Celebration of Discipline, and it is a modern-day classic. He wrote it in the 70s, but it has become kind of a key text for Christian spiritual disciplines. He writes about each one of them, and here's the list he gives just very quickly. He says there's inward, outward, and corporate disciplines. He says the inward ones are meditation, prayer, and fasting, and study. And by the way, this is not by any means a comprehensive list. This is like maybe the classics or the, the most popular or this, these 12 that are here. Outward disciplines of simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. Corporate disciplines of confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. And so today, we're going to jump all the way to the end of this book. If you, if you ended up getting this book, which I encourage you to do a couple weeks ago, I think it was, I think... I saw it on Amazon for one cent plus shipping and handling, so it hopefully won't break your bank. Um, The one we're going to talk about today, kind of an overarching discipline, um, I thought that we should talk, uh, last week we talked about a review of the disciplines, and today I wanted to pick one. I think next week we'll pick the discipline of simplicity, Um, but today I wanted to pick an overarching discipline, and that one being this last one. So we're kind of, in some ways, we're going to jump to the end to give an overview to, to begin, which is kind of an interesting way to do things, but I think you'll find it fascinating as I've been studying this this week. So we're going to talk about the discipline of celebration. And we'll start off with a discussion question for you at your tables. If you're at a small table, you can jump in, invite yourself over to a bigger table. They will um, let you jump in. If they don't, come talk to me. I'll punch them in the face. Just kidding. I won't punch anybody. Sorry, that's a very violent image. Um, Here's the discussion question for you. To get us thinking about the idea of celebration, to get us into thinking about the idea of joy. So when have you experienced great spiritual joy in life? So not just a happiness, not just a comedy, not just a, but like a deep spiritual joy. Name a time in your life um, when you experienced great spiritual joy. Ready, get set, discuss. All right, I'll interrupt you and give you five seconds or so to, to wrap up. And then I have a mic. If anyone wants to share, raise your hand. I'll come to you. Um, I realize that the question is somewhat personal, but if you wanted to share, I will give you the mic. And it's time for us to share together. Anybody? There's always somebody that, okay. Like Jordan and then over here. Thank you, sir. So it would... Um, one of the moments I experienced great spiritual joy would have been here at New Life. Yeah. And that was 2010, and I was baptized by the Holy Spirit. Okay. And just um, at that time, I was dealing with work and stuff like that, and just just felt completely broken. Yeah. And at that point, I at that point I've been praying for years and years and years for just the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and just one day I one day in church, just like any other day, it seemed like. And yeah just a feeling of just great joy, a feeling of just, I was truly loved through who I am. Yeah. And everything was going to be okay. Good. 
That's a good story. Yes, sir. So one of the times that I remember experiencing great joy was when we went on a retreat, like a weekend retreat, and we played guitar, and, oh, I played guitar, and we were just worshiping, and we had just like a four-hour jam session, and people were coming in and out, but at the end of it, just looking up and remembering and just being like, wow, this is what heaven's going to be like, just eternal worship and, and just overwhelmed with that. And I think when you look at Psalm 117, it says, uh, great is his love towards us, and his faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And when your spirit's reminded of that, and when you recall those things, we are just overwhelmed. And so anytime that I just find myself reminded of that is yeah. when, I don't know, I just, I just feel overwhelmed with spiritual joy. So. Good. Yeah, that's great. It's a good word. I don't see anybody else. Okay. Um, I was, I was saying, sharing at the table I sat with that I just remember a time in my life where was, things were very uncertain. I didn't know what I was, I was graduating college, and I didn't know what I was going to do very nervous about the future and job and what am I going to do. And I was spending quiet times alone. Uh, I was when I was kind of learning guitar. And so I was playing guitar up on a hill. I just go up on this hill that wasn't too far from where I lived and just play some worship by myself. And there were just times of immense joy. It wasn't a happy time. It was a very like kind of frustrating time in my life. Uh, a lot of fear, like what am I going to do with my life? What kind of job am I going to have? Uh, what, what should I do? So a lot of uncertainty, but joy. Like I look back on that time and just think there was a lot of joy in those times of ex- ex- expressing the discipline of, of worship and praying to God and being by myself, solitude. And so here's what I want to argue. Here's these two words up on the screen, celebration and discipline, because that's three words technically, because I'm very literal. Um, But you think of celebration, you think of happiness and birthday cakes and singing and maybe even that song by Cool and the Gang, Celebrate Good Times, come on, everybody. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Like that's what you think of just happiness and you're probably singing, the song's probably in your head right now and you think of dancing and, and just happiness, smiling. And then when you think of discipline, at least in my mind, I think of uh, getting up early. I think of uh, like a farmer, disciplined, working with your hands. I think of a very different, a very different thing comes to my mind when I think the word discipline versus when I think the word celebration. And a very wise gentleman, I was, I was talking with a guy, a new lifer, uh, this week, who had read Richard Foster's book. And this guy, he's probably more read, like theologically well-read than any professor I've ever had. Um, I, I don't know that for a fact, but he just he's a very wise, well-read theologian guy. And he said he read Richard Foster's book, and he said he, it, he had a hard time understanding it. And I was like, okay, maybe I Maybe I'm missing something because Richard Foster's book is a very simple book. It's a very easy to read book. And so when someone who's very much smarter than you says that they read a book and didn't get it and you thought you thought it was an easy book, maybe I'm missing something and didn't get it. But he said, like, there's so many words there. It's so deep. And he said it wasn't, uh, uh, like, accustomed to the spiritual discipline world and that school of thought that he had a hard time with the book. And so it just made me think, wow, maybe Richard Foster's book is a modern-day classic because a brand-new Christian can read it and be like, oh, I get this. And then a very well-read, wise Christian can read it and be like, there is more to this book than I can even understand. Anyways, one of the arguments he made when we were talking together, I think it's one of the arguments throughout the book, Celebration of Disciplines, the, the text that we've been talking about, is that celebration 
and discipline are the same thing. What? It's maybe how you look at it. Let me give you an analogy towards this analysis, kind of an inception of analogies. But oftentimes people will ask you, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? It's the same glass. It's the same amount of water. It's your perspective. And so people usually ask this question to you, or are you a pessimist or are you an optimist? And if you say, oh, I think the glass is half full, then it's, oh, you're, you're more optimistic. And if you, think the, if you would say, oh, the glass is half empty and I'm thirsty, I'm dying of thirst, you say, well, you're more of a pessimist in life. Um, I remember going through a very pessimistic time in my life, and I would say, um, do you th- someone would say, do you think the glass is half full or half empty? And I'd say, half full of death, destruction, <laughs> evil. Uh, I was kidding, but it was, it was a hard time in my life, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, we laugh, but it's true. Anyways, maybe you're sitting and you, people ask you this question. Is the glass half full or half? It's the same glass. Or this, if I just put a cup, uh, if I have a cup, um, you could say, uh, I could ask you, what is this? And you would, somebody in here would say, a coffee cup. Somebody else in here would say, it's a white cup. Somebody else, I think like my son, he doesn't drink much coffee. He's more of a hot chocolate drinker. He's three. And so he would say, he wouldn't say it's a coffee cup. He would say, oh, it's a hot chocolate cup or a, a steamer cup. Um, but all of the, it's the same thing. It's, your, it's your, where you're at in life and how you're viewing this object, whether you're viewing it from here or figuratively from here that would make you say it's a white cup or a coffee cup. Both are true. Or the glass is half full or half empty. And I want to argue that the celebration and discipline are the same thing. And that 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 hopefully it kind of blew my mind this week because on on a surface level thing, it's like, well, it's how could they be the same thing? The discipline, if we define the discipline, we already did this. If you wrote down notes, you can remember that we said a discipline is an activity that creates space for God to act. And if God is really acting, when you're in times of prayer, you're giving up food. It's called fasting. That is not an easy thing to do. You might not say, that's like that's celebration. But if God is working in that space, then there is much joy. There is celebration in the discipline of even something like solitude, spending time away from people. Oh, you're bored to death, but you've opened up this space for God to act, and there is deep joy and celebration that goes with that. And Foster defines uh, doing the discipline of celebration as th- this thing that will create joy in your life. So one more discussion question. I actually have two more discussion questions, but this one first. So at your tables, think about this. This is more of a practical discussion question. Did you practice a discipline this week? And I want to emphasize the word practice. Like, you, like don't be shy about, um, oh, well, I only prayed for like 10 minutes this week and it was just a bad week. Well, you practiced a discipline. You don't have to be an expert. I think some people shy away from saying like, oh, I'm, I have a disciplined spiritual life because they don't feel like they're an expert spiritually. It's like, oh, I'm not a, a, a monk or a nun. I don't spend all this time, you know, in solitude praying by myself. It's like, well, did you practice something this week? And if so, how was joy a part of it? If you're, if you're rethinking this idea that I'm trying to, to tell you right now that there is 
a celebration and discipline there, one and the same, then rethink this week. And maybe you, maybe you had some quiet times this, this week. Maybe you fasted this week. I don't know. Maybe you uh, just prayed over a meal this week and it was a, a meaningful thing. Talk about that and, and ask the question, how if joy was a part of that and rethinking about it and looking at it. So ready, cassette, discuss. Any of you, um, just by a show of hands, practiced a discipline? Any discipline this week? Okay, now keep your hands raised if you said in your groups somehow joy was a part of it. Like rethinking, good. Rethinking this idea of joy. Let me read uh, uh, from Richard Foster's book, kind of our text, Celebration of Discipline. Uh, the last chapter, which is the, celebrate, the discipline of celebration, he says this. Compares it to Jesus' ministry, and then I'll read a couple verses in the Bible about joy. Foster says this, celebration is at the heart of the way of Christ. Talking about Jesus, he entered the world on a high note of jubilation. I bring you good noise, good news, sorry, of, (laughs) just messing up my words today. I bring you good news of great joy, cried an angel, which shall come to all people, Luke 2.10. And Jesus left the world, bequeathing his joy to the disciples, saying, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. John 15, 11. Here's some more verses. I'm going to kind of a shotgun approach of just a, a few verses here that remind us of joy in the context of the Bible. Specifically, all these come from the New Testament. First uh, Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. He's talking about God. We, we don't fully know him. We don't fully see him, but he fills us with an inexpressible, glorious joy. Romans 14, Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of the God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father, the throne of God. I mean, that's an interesting verse there because it's the, the pain of the cross it's, and joy in the same sentence. For the joy set before him endured the cross. There's pain and joy in the same, same thing there. Uh, James 1, James 1, starting verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind. So there's this, this interesting like dynamic of trials and joy. And it's like it's, it's what we're talking about is more than happiness and just blind smiling because you're at church and you have to smile at church. Well, by the way, you don't have to just be happy at church or smile, but there is this joy that we're talking about that transcends happiness and is much deeper, the celebration of even something like uh, disciplines, like fasting that is hard and setting aside time for prayer that is hard, getting up early that is hard, or practicing restraint or whatever discipline you're thinking of, there's, there's a discipline there, but it is in fact joyful if you realize that you're creating space for the creator of the world to act inside of you, and that is deep and real. Final verse, Romans 15 uh, Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are some verses I want to um, 
dive into an early church father, which will bring us to today's nerd alert. <laughs> today's nerd alert is brought to us by this guy, John Chrysostom. He's got a cool looking shaped head there. Um, but this guy's uh, last name is not Chris, I always pronounce it wrong, Chrysostom. That is kind of a nickname he was given. It means in the Greek, anyone know? Golden Mouth. So do you think this guy whose nickname was Golden Mouth was a good speaker or a bad speaker? A really good speaker. He's known in history as one of the most eloquent speakers of all times. Um, I'm going to argue that one of his sermons is the best sermon of all time ever preached. And if you Google it or YouTube it, you'll find like modern day preachers who a bunch of people say, oh, that's the best sermon ever preached, ever. And it's like, well, if it, if it hasn't yet passed the test of time, it's probably just a really good sermon for that season, that year, that time, that place. But I'm going to argue that he had one of the best, if not the best sermon ever preached. And I'll read some excerpts of it in just a second. But this guy was born a long time ago, 347 uh, uh, AD, of course, after Christ. He's an early church Christian father. He was a, a priest, or in Greek it's the word presbyteros. So sometimes that's translated in denominations as elder. Some t- denominations call it a priest, uh, all kind of the same thing. Uh, becomes an archbishop, kind of an overseeing leader of Constantinople, uh, which is in modern-day Turkey. He was an ascetic, ascetic, which he exercised his faith. He practiced the disciplines with immensity. I'm going to tell you what he did, and you're like, ah, it's pretty intense. Um, For two years, he uh, spent his time standing. Never thought of standing as a spiritual discipline, but apparently that's what he did. He stood, slept very little, and just stood. Um, Last week, this table won because they named 17 spiritual disciplines, and on that list was not standing, but apparently standing uh, is, for him, was a spiritual discipline. He stood, and he memorized the Bible. Not memorized passages in the Bible, but he memorized the Bible while standing over a period of two, three years, uh, kind of as a hermit living by himself in the wilderness of outside of Constantinople and Antioch. Um, pretty interesting, pretty intense. But from that became one of the best speakers of all time, very eloquent in what he said. And one of his sermons, probably his most famous sermon, is his Easter sermon that in many church denominations, uh, especially more traditional high church denominations, uh, the pastor will read John Chrysostom's Easter sermon on Easter Sunday. And so potentially it's one of the most read sermons ever, like one of the most preached sermons ever, because many denominations preach this, they read this sermon uh, every Easter Sunday morning. And if you know anything about Easter Sunday morning, it is a time of celebration. It is the time when we as Christians celebrate that Christ is risen from the dead, trampling death by death, and releasing everybody that was in the grave to resurrection. That's ultimately our hope in Christ, that as He rose from the dead, we will also raised from the dead. And it's a time of celebration, a time of feasting. If you know anything about traditional high church, uh, many people will celebrate Lent, these 40 or 50, depending on how you count it, days before the Easter or Paschal Sunday. Anybody ever given up anything for Lent? Oh, quite a few hands. Cool. Uh, I always see like messages on Facebook right around the beginning of Lent saying like, I'm taking a break from Facebook. Don't Facebook me. I'm celebrating Lent. It's like, that's cool. 
historically, many Christians throughout the ages of these 2,000 years of church history have given up uh, food during Lent. Like, like they'll fast somehow, either become vegans or vegetarians or give up something. Uh, and, and so when Easter comes, that Easter Sunday morning, Pascha as it's sometimes also called, uh, there is a great celebration, a great feast that happens. And so listen to this sermon. I'm just going to read a few excerpts. Listen for the joy. That's, that's what, how we're tying this all in right now. If you're like, what, what are we doing right now? We're reading a sermon that is all about joy and disciplines and how joy and discipline are the same thing. So see if you can't get this as I read some of the excerpts of this sermon. He says, so imagine Easter morning, maybe if you're a traditional Christian, you've been fasting and you listen to these words. Are there any who are devout lovers of God? Let them enjoy this beautiful, bright festival. Are there any who are grateful servants? Let them rejoice and enter into the joy of the Lord. Are there any weary with fasting? Let them now receive their wages. If, I, if any have toiled from the first hour, let them receive their due reward. If any have come after the third, let him with gratitude join the feast First and last alike, receive your reward. Rich and poor, receive together. Sober and slothful, celebrate the day. You who have kept the fast and you who have not, rejoice today, for the table is richly laden. Feast royally on it. The calf is a fattened one. Let no one go away hungry. Partake all of the cup of the faith. Enjoy the riches of his goodness. Let no one grieve at his poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn, for he has fallen again and again, for forgiveness has risen from the grave. Christ is risen, and you, O death, are annihilated. Christ is risen, and the evil ones are cast down. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and the life is liberated. Christ is risen, and the tomb is empty of its death. For Christ, having risen from the dead, is become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Best sermon ever. <laughs> Did you hear how much joy is in that sermon? Why? Because, because Christ does fun and happy things for you? No, because Christ is risen from the dead, and that is worthy of celebration, worthy of having joy about. Even if circumstances in your life are not happy, there is joy because Christ is risen from the dead. So final discussion, just give you a couple minutes here to think about practical ways. Okay, if you, if you get this, if you're tracking with me, then you're like, okay, celebration and discipline, I, I kind of see how they could be one and the same. Here's a practical question then. What are the practical ways we can be joyful and celebrate the spiritual discipline. So talk about that. Maybe brainstorm at your table. Ready, get set, discuss. All right, I'll interrupt you. And um, uh, at, the, at my table, Haley said, not complaining is a great way to practice a spiritual discipline and allow joy to be a part of it. I think like thinking about like practicing spiritual disciplines, I'm sometimes like, oh, I'm so hungry if I'm fasting, or, or if it's like if I get up, get up early, I was like, oh, it's so early, I'm so tired. It's like, well, why not just receive from God and not complain about the physical realities and receive the celebration of joy that comes with 
acting out the spiritual disciplines. So I want to conclude with somewhat of a silly story. Uh, did any of you know Matthew Kinney? I didn't ask him. To <laughs> You'll have to text him, not now, text him later that Joe made fun of him at Sunday school. And I didn't even ask him. Actually, I'm not, re- I'm kind of honoring him. Um, but I, I was hanging out with, if you know Matthew Kinney, he's kind of a silly guy. And he's, he can also be very deep and serious. And sometimes you don't know wh- where he's going. So it always makes for interesting conversation in a good way. And I said, uh, we were at like a, a Friday night mill leadership meeting and I said, how are you doing, Matt? And he said, oh, I'm doing great. And then I started to tease him because the way he said it was just like, oh, what happened? And I said, ooh, do you have a girlfriend? Ooh, what's her name? Ooh. And he's like, I don't have a girlfriend. And, and, and or something like that. And then he, I said, uh, what, what, did you get a new car? Was it a Porsche? Why are you doing so great? And then he like totally like Jesus juked me in a way <laughs> um, and said a very, very deep and profound thing. That I And he wasn't kidding. I don't think he was kidding. He said, well, how can I not be doing great when Jesus has washed away my sins? And I was just like, oh, I was kind of convicted. Like, oh, here I am teasing you. And he's <laughs> like providing a very serious, deep response to just like, how are you doing? And I, I know that I, in, in throughout my week, waste so much time in conversation with people, it's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. It's just like wasting three minutes of small talk when you're really, you haven't even said anything. And here's Matthew, you know, defining a spiritual truth in the midst of a simple conversation. And I just thought, wow, that's kind of a cool, it just made me, it, it, it really did make me like, wow, it, ch- it kind of changed the course of that evening, at least in my mind and what I was there doing and thinking about. It's like, wow, yeah, Jesus has washed away our sins. And that is something to be very joyful about. It's a reason to say that you're doing great, even in the midst of maybe some pretty bad circumstances, maybe in some pretty, the midst of pretty unhappy circumstances, you can still say you're doing great, or you can still say there is joy in your life because ultimately Christ has risen from the the grave and ultimately He has washed away your sins. And so it's with that that I will invite us to pray. We'll, We'll conclude a little early today. And we'll just kind of think and meditate on this idea of joy and discipline and celebration all being one thing. So if you'd bow your head with me. God, we come before you in this mystery of of disciplines, in this mystery of how they can be um, at once something hard to do, at, at once something we're abstaining from, at once being uh, a discipline, something we have to work on. It's not easy. And at the same time, we say that there is joy in making space for you. There's joy, there's a celebration that comes when we make space for you to speak to us, to baptize us with the Holy Spirit, to immerse us in your word. God, we make room for you by by practicing some of these disciplines. And Lord, I encourage um, you to, to, to come to us this week, today even, and just bend our hearts towards you so that we would be anxious and ready to practice a discipline maybe we haven't thought of before, to challenge us, Lord, to create space for you to act and move in our lives. So, Lord, we come before you with all love and praise. We come before you praising you and and making your name great on this earth, extolling you, everyone, because your love is awesome and your faithfulness endures forever. 
and we will praise you. So we love you, Lord. And everybody said, amen. All right, friends, go in peace. Peace out. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Mills Sunday School podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.